Welcome everyone to the Groot Podcast, episode number two of our second season. My name is Paul McWhorter and I'm documenting my journey towards my master's degree in theological studies and talking about how Jesus, who is full of grace and truth, gives us new life when we believe in him. Well, I'm entering the home stretch in my schoolwork and I just started a new class recently on research, sort of a next level hermeneutics class on Bible interpretation. And later this fall, I'll start my first of two systematic theology classes. And after that, it's all about the electives. Uh, I get to take three electives and was going over the list trying to decide which ones to take. And rather than trying to guess which ones would be the most helpful to me in the future, I opted to go with the ones that I find the most interesting. My current class is also discussing how adult learners are different from children, and one of the key points is that adults have a desire to see an immediate application of what we're learning in our lives. And it's not that adults aren't interested in learning for the sake of learning, but we want to see how that knowledge we are gaining impacts what we are doing or will be doing in the future. And obviously, we all perform better when the material is something that we're interested in or passionate about. This is helping to guide my decision-making. I don't know what the future holds or where God will lead me, but I know He gives me desires and thoughts, and I trust that as I'm walking with the Spirit daily, He will lead me where I need to go. Speaking of that, I was driving to Nashville this past week uh, to work at the Sing Worship Conference happening over Labor Day, and I was thinking about what my next podcast should be on. And then I passed a car with these words boldly displayed in their back window, And it said, God is good. Jesus is Savior. In the church, we have a saying, God is good all the time and all the time, God is good. You may have responded to that because we use it as a call and response, usually between uh, the speaker and the congregation. It's a good reminder to us about God's faithfulness. But what do we actually mean when we say God is good? I have a lot of good things in my life, my family, my job, and my home. I enjoy good movies and good food, and we all like good things in our lives. We're told that we should be good people, be a good and decent person. But what does that mean? And where did this standard of goodness come from? People might define being a good person as someone who doesn't break the laws, or someone that others vouch for as a good person, or someone who leaves the world a better place. Good is an adjective that we assign to ourselves or others or things we experience or have. Something is good if it makes us happy or satisfies us. Someone is good if they are kind or caring. I was reading a New York Times article about what it means to be a good person. And the author quoted people from a lot of different perspectives. A professor of philosophy quoted Plato saying that goodness is the same as happiness, the development and expression of our, of our desires and a, a rational desire to understand what's best. A Buddhist monk said that goodness is impermanent and organic, meaning it can progress as well as regress. So we have to remain steadfast in caring for ourselves and others. And Cheryl Strayed, the author of Wild, defined it as goodness is expressed through loving kindness, generosity of spirit and deed, and the thoughtful consideration of others. I think that's a good definition. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is closing his letter to the church, encouraging them to rejoice in the Lord always. 
to not be anxious about anything, but to turn everything over to God in prayer, and then to focus their thought life. In verse 8, Paul tells the church to think about or focus on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. All of these words fit into our definition of good, but they also intimately describe God and his character. When we say God is good, we aren't assigning value to God or what he has done. God's goodness isn't impermanent, nor does it regress. When we say God is good, we mean God is good. Goodness is a character of God. It's who God is. God is good. He is the source of goodness. God is good all the time. God works all things for his good. Goodness is not just in what God says and does. It's a permanent and perfect quality of his character. It's who God is all the time, no matter what. God is good. In Psalms 33, it says, He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 143, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Psalms 100, Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Paul quotes this psalm in 1 Corinthians 16 when he wrote, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And then James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is good. One of the most common arguments that non-believers make for not accepting God is the question of evil in our world. If God is so good, why do we have so much evil in the world? How can he allow all of these horrible things to happen to good people? Their argument against God actually proves that God exists. There are naturally occurring disasters that plague our world. Fires, volcanic eruptions, hurricanes, mudslides, and earthquakes that destroy homes and can result in deaths. The evil we despise most is the consequences that we suffer because of the bad decisions made by ourselves and others. There are evil people in this world who do horrible things. And I think most people would agree that evil is the opposite of good. If God is good, then evil would be the absence of God. People reject God in their lives. They reject God in their schools, in their work, in our governments. And then they ask why God allows these things to happen. God does not and cannot do evil. He allows all of us the free will and choices that we want to have to make our own decisions. God doesn't force us to do anything. So we also have to face the consequences of our own actions and the actions of others. In Genesis Chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says to his brothers who sold him into slavery, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. 
Don't point to the evil in the world and ask God why when the fault is our own. We can look at all of the good things in our lives, which far outweigh the bad, and credit those to God, our Creator. In Genesis, God created everything and called it what? He called it good. He imparted His goodness upon creation. God created us in His image, a reflection of God in His character. We are created for goodness. But sin, the rejection of God's will, not trusting in or relying on God, broke that goodness in which we were created. We have good in us still. Non-Christians can and are good people. We all have the capacity for goodness because God created us that way. Some people might think, well, I'm a good person, so why do I need God? I am a good person, so I should go to heaven. I read this statement. People are capable of doing good things. They can be kind or thoughtful, give generous gifts, and care for the disadvantaged. Even an atheist can be a philanthropist. However, no amount of good deeds can change the fact that all people are sinful by nature. In Romans 3, Paul quotes Psalms when he writes, There is none righteous, none that meets God's standard, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who do good, not one. Paul and the Psalms Paul and the psalmist aren't saying that we don't have the capacity to be or do good, but the goodness we achieve on our own apart from God isn't even a shadow of God's goodness. As good as we think we are, we are still flawed and imperfect. Because of sin, the true nature of God in us is disrupted and broken. Interestingly, in Mark 10, a rich young ruler calls Jesus good teacher asking what he must do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus replies back to him. He says, well, why do you call me good? No one is essentially good by nature except God alone. And Jesus isn't saying that he isn't God because he is. One commentator on this verse says, if you call Jesus good, then believe that he is God, for no one is good, intrinsically good, but God. But notice what Jesus says to the young man next. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not testify falsely, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the young man says, well, I've done all those things. By the human standard of goodness, this young man is all set, right? He obeys the law, he honors his family. He's essentially a good person as most people would define it. But Jesus says you lack one thing, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And when Jesus said this, The young man walked away because he was very wealthy. It didn't matter that the young man was, quote, a good person. What matters is sacrificing our selfish nature, our sin nature, and following Jesus. It's awesome that you are a good person. It's awesome that you're kind and caring and that you help others. This is what Jesus and the scriptures tell us to do, to love one another more than ourselves, to serve one another, Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are all called to exhibit the character of God. The non-believer might say, well, I, I try to do all this in my life, so isn't that good enough? 
but it was never about doing certain things or acting a certain way, observing certain laws. If so, why would we have needed Jesus? Why wasn't the law of God in the Old Testament good enough? The Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day were staunch followers of God's commandments. They even created more laws to better define what God's law meant. Jesus was their harshest critic, calling them snakes, vipers, and dead inside. Because what matters, first and foremost to God, is people recognizing that they are broken, turning away from self and trusting God, making Him Lord of their lives. Proverbs 3, verses 5-6 through sums it all up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. We have it backwards. The world has it backwards. They think that if you're a good person and do enough good things, the right things, then you can earn your way into heaven. But God says, first, you have to trust in me. Believe in me. Make me Lord of your life. Abandon your selfish life and follow me. Then through God, through his spirit, we demonstrate the fullness of God's love, goodness, and kindness. In John 15, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. God created us perfect to be an image of him, of his goodness. And all of us are broken by sin that separates us from God, falling short of his goodness. But we are unable to reconcile with God on our own. No amount of good deeds can fill the infinite chasm that exists between God and man. At its widest and deepest, the Grand Canyon is 18 miles wide and 6,000 feet deep. Imagine standing on the edge and tossing your little goodness pebbles over the side, hoping that one day you can build a bridge. It's even more impossible for us to be good enough in our lifetime to make amends, to restore the bond between us and God. Only Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, who was able to fulfill the law of God, to become the ultimate sacrifice to cover all of our transgressions. In His resurrection, we have new life in God, a life that is rich in love and mercy and grace. Today, maybe you are a good person, loving, kind, and caring. Your sins, you know what? They've already been paid for with Jesus on the cross. The only thing you lack is acknowledging Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, acknowledging that he died for you and asking for forgiveness for your sins and following him. Then you will experience the fullness of God's goodness in your life and display God's goodness, not your own. Display God's goodness in your life and to those around you. Salvation by grace is a free gift of God. All you have to do is accept it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this has encouraged you and challenged you. I pray that you will have an encounter with God today, whenever and wherever you are when you hear this. And I pray that God will move in your life and you will respond to him. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.